Hi, I'm Amanda Johns. And I'm Ryan Lynch. And this is our weekly podcast, Worth the Work. A quirky and insightful look into the world of therapy with topics that matter to you. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. This episode comes with a warning. Please understand that this topic may contain mature material. So hi, Joe kids. Oh, my God. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Amanda. So... What are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about talking to your kids about sex. Oh, this is exciting. So exciting. Uh, probably not for a lot of the parents. This is a topic that parents tend to uh, cringe. Sure. Yeah. So this is uh, part three in our three-part series called Let's Talk About Sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about you and, and me. All right. We do not own the rights to that song. No, so don't <laughs> sue us, please. Yeah, but if you missed parts one and two, um, part one was about sex and culture and what is sex therapy. Mm-hmm. And our second in the series was uh, safe sex, consent, and the hookup culture. So if you missed Correct. those, go back to our podcast site and listen because they're worth it. <laughs> that was corny, folks. I, I, okay, whatever. <laughs> so we're just going to uh, preemptively apologize. There seems to be some massive construction going on outside of our building today. So mm-hmm. if you hear Loud that thudding. sound, it is not us. It is the sound next door. And I have one of my dogs in the studio today, and she is anxiously watching the moving. So we're just going to hope that neither of those things impact today's recording. Um, so yeah, so, uh, so Ryan, why don't we just dive right in? Okay. Well, I think before we even really get started, we should like think back to, for yourself, what was your experience of being talked to about sex by your parents at all? <laughs> if at all. Because for a lot of us, it didn't happen yeah. or it made no sense. I mean... I, I will tell you, as a sex therapist, I still don't know exactly what the birds and the bees really means, because I don't know what the story really was. <laughs> My mom tried. Uh, they try. They try. But, you know, and so what we're trying to do today is make it a little bit easier for you guys so that you won't struggle as much as your parents did. Yeah. And as, as somebody who works with parents, one of the number one questions I get from parents is, how do I talk about, you know like sex and mm-hmm. their body parts. And like we talked about before, there's a lot of shame regarding sex and stuff. And that's the piece we have to get through because we're embarrassed to talk about it yeah. to anyone, but especially our kids, because it's such a taboo subject. And what if they ask about my sex life? Oh, God. oh my gosh. Trust me, your kids do really not want to know. For real. About your sex life. So keep your sex life out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, like for me, the most basic of all basic things is, you know, you have to talk to your kids about their body. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And, and when dealing with talking to our kids about sex or even safety regarding sex with strangers or whatnot, we have to be willing to um, have these really difficult conversations and for me, that conversation starts pretty much at birth mm-hmm. um, in calling body parts by their actual name. Yeah, I think that's something I can't stress enough. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, we want to come up with these cute little names for, 
you know, genitalia, things like that. And, you know, yes, it's adorable and cute, but if you teach your kids something like your vagina is called a pocketbook, <laughs> and then, I don't know. No, I know it's funny, but literally, trust me, uh, this has happened. Do you put your pearls in your pocketbook? No, but what happened is that when um, this kid went to school, they told the teacher that their daddy always puts his hand in her pocketbook. <gasps> yes. And the teacher had no idea, just thought it was like a cute little thing a kid says. Oh, jeez. And that's why it's so yeah. important to use the real terms. Now, luckily, the guy got caught and all that jazz, but it unfortunately was. And I think not a that, story. like, if we're talking about helping our kids to understand safety with their body, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. if our kids have the right words to use, right. and if we don't allow our own fear and shame to get in the way and sort of transfer that onto our kids then our kids are going to be more able to use the language of safety Mm -hmm. in speaking about their body when it's harmed. Right. And what happens too is, you know, when, when you're taught these little terms of whatever, you know, like a dinghy or a willy or whatever. (laughs) I cannot handle your words today. Oh, I'm telling you, these are all words I heard. Trust me. Um, So when you use those terms, then when you get to school and you're, because of course we teach it in school, not from our parents, but you know, about safe sex or sexuality or anything, and we call it a penis, you giggle because it's not the word you've normally used. Right. right? So what you're doing is you're transferring that shame about their body on them from yourself, you know, and that's and it's not intentional. No, not at all. But it's, you know, we're, what we would want to do is break that pattern. Yeah. It's a penis. It's a penis or a vulva. Right. And I think that's an important thing to know, too. Oh, absolutely. Is that there's a difference between a vagina and a vulva. Well, what are those differences, Amanda? I don't know, Ryan. Why don't you tell us? Okay. Well, a vulva is the whole thing. The whole outside. People can't see your hands. I know my hands. I'm I'm doing the (laughs) circle motion of the whole female genitalia. That whole area is called a vulva. Right. And the vagina is actually just the interior part of it. Right. right? So something, you know, goes inside the vagina, but the whole thing is a vulva. And I will say it's it's socially appropriate. Colloquially, it's very much used vagina. You can use either one. The technical real term is vulva. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ryan, now so, that we've dealt with that, yeah, yeah. Um, when do you start talking to your kids about sex? This is this is a question that a lot of parents bring up, and a lot of people struggle with. And I think that's perfectly natural. But I think you know we have to remember that you know once puberty starts, people's bodies are going through changes, the hormones start going. It's really important that they know about that before it happens. Right. And I think which includes understanding for females, periods. Absolutely. That conversation has to be part of mm-hmm. sex education. And right now, on average, girls go through puberty at 11. Yeah. Which, you know, it, like even in even in my mind that's like that's awfully young. So for for females Historically though it's not young. Well, and it's also getting younger over right. time, um, and there's a bunch of theories about that, but we're not going to go into that <laughs> today. So for for girls, it starts around 11, the average age it is. It can go up to 14, 15, though. Right. 
well, and also down because that's the whole point of an average. And for boys, the average is 12. So when we say that girls develop faster than boys, what we're saying is, you know, puberty happens for them sooner. And that's the hormonal release. I think it's really important for moms who haven't had experience with boy babies yet to understand that boys can actually have a hard-on. An erection. An erection. I'm using the... I'm listen, and I'm using the. That's actual term. why we balance each other out. Correct. Um, as infants in utero. Yeah, in utero. I mean, literally, you they you can have a, a an erection in utero. So, <laughs> like that is just what that is is a very natural thing. It's right. the blood flowing into the penis. I mean, that's quite frankly, literally what it is. It's not sexual at that age, but also it's healthy because that means it's getting the blood flow it needs. And it's super normal for a child to stimulate themselves Mm -hmm. for pleasure. We have to be very careful that we don't put the same understanding of sex that we as adults have Mm -hmm. on children um, when they are pleasuring themselves. Sure. I mean, there there have been documented evidence of you know children or infants or i guess fetuses i guess is trying to find out the right word you know masturbating in utero and it's not a sexual thing yeah it just feels good yeah right we do as humans what feels good right fact of life and that's know? the part where we have to be careful with the shaming and the telling kids that they're dirty mm-hmm. or stop that or don't mm-hmm. touch that the conversation more so should be around the appropriate places and times mm-hmm. to engage in that behavior. Right. Not that the behavior is bad, just that there's a time and a place. You don't need to pleasure yourself in front of grandma. Right, exactly. That's something you can do in your room or something that is not – there could be limits on it, basically right. what I'm saying. You, you have know, to have boundaries. that shame yeah. piece component added to it. But it scares a lot of people when they see it happening. Oh, absolutely. You because know? It, it makes you – because what does society tell you? Then there's something wrong with your kid. Right. Or that kid's been abused. Right. You know, stuff like that, which, you know, is not very often the case, but – Yeah. So it goes back to when do we start talking to our kids about mm-hmm. sex? Well, and that's a thing. I mean, you know, I think it's something it's worth talking about as early as possible. Right. And that's that first boundary around sex is, mm-hmm. listen, I, I know that feels good. Mm-hmm. That's something that you need to do in private, in yep. your bedroom, in the bathroom, not in the living room while you're watching TV. Right. And, you know, and, and the biggest thing is when you're talking about areas of their body that are for them and not for other people, Again, don't want to use terms like no, no spot or things like that, because that, again, puts shame on it, right? Right. If that's your no, no spot, no one's supposed to touch it. Well, then it's bad if they touch it. We used to say anything that your bathing suit covers. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, So, you know, just make sure you want to use the correct terms and, you know, explain Because, you know, when we're talking about sex education for kids, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, before puberty, it's not about how to have sex. You're teaching them what their body is, how it's going to react to things, and how it's going to change. And and regarding a more formal discussion about sex, I think it's really important for everybody to find out when the school starts doing the education Mm -hmm. and then to get a copy of the curriculum that they're using 
and have the conversation with your kids before they have that education from their mm-hmm. school. Um, you know, a lot of schools do it a little too late and with a lot of not enough information. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's times where you're going to need to supplement. And I think it's important to know that when your kid asks a question, it's okay just to ask or just to answer that question. Yeah. You don't have to start talking about one thing and end up, you know, you know, sharing the whole book of Kama Sutra with them. Correct. It doesn't have to be that intense. No, not at all. And I think one of the biggest fears parents have about talking to the kids about sex is that it's going to make them want to have sex. Right. And there has been countless studies to show that there's no correlation between sex education and having sex. The it's only correlation more, yeah, go ahead. is that they're going to have safe sex right. versus unsafe. I mean, the you know, in a lot of areas of the country, you know, abstinence-only education is a big thing, unfortunately. Right. And, uh, you know, while it's true that abstinence-only is the only 100% safe sex, you can teach that fine. But also, you know, if that's all you teach, don't teach about anything else, then you're leaving kids to their own right. devices. And that's – and. Study after study, again, has shown that that's where you have more teen pregnancies, more STIs, things like that, because they are not getting a full education of what sex and sexuality is. And I think that one of the major flaws with the thinking around abstinence only is that our primary focus is just pregnancy. And so when when you've got kids who understand the basics of, okay, I need to, you know, use a condom or I need to utilize birth control and I won't get pregnant, you are absolutely forgetting the piece where, you know, STIs, STDs Mm -hmm. can be transmitted via sex. And so if we're only focusing on pregnancy, we're missing so much more. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, you you have to talk to your kids about intimacy that's involved Mm -hmm. in having sex with somebody. Sure. Especially for the first time. Right. And if you're teaching them that, you know, I mean, first of all, I could go on a whole tangent about the concept of sexual uh, virginity. But, right. But, you know, if you're teaching them that penis in vagina sex is what's going to get you pregnant, well, then they're going to do other things. Right. right. They're not going to just not do anything. Right. And if you're not teaching them about how to do anything else safely – then you're still setting them up for risks. Right. Yeah. And at the basics of it, it's you have to have the conversation. Yeah. Listen, parenting is not easy. I've done it three times over right now. I've had to talk to all three of my kids about sex. They all are at various places in in the spectrum of their own understanding or exploration of sexuality. It's a tough thing. It's also necessary. Absolutely. And, you know, I... I think even if you didn't get that talk as a kid, yeah, you know, it's really doubly important for you to talk to your kids about it. You and know? and I don't think that the conversation has to be gendered either. No, not it's, at all. The mom isn't the one that can only talk to girls. The dad mm-hmm. isn't the one that can only talk to boys. And the dad's not the only one that can talk to the boy about um, erections and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I also think it's it's worth – you want to have the same conversation with both of them because right. they, because 
quite frankly, you know, just because you're a boy doesn't mean you don't need to know how a girl's body works too. Right. Right. And vice versa. And and a lot of times there's very different messages that a boy will get about sex versus right. a girl. And that, again, just perpetuates that stigma about how we perceive sex and sexuality. Right. Or how we perceive different genders yeah, in absolutely. their sexuality. You know, I mean, because that's the one of the biggest problems is in society, I at least I believe, is this uh, this concept that, you know, uh, guys are supposed to have sex with as many as they can, but women are not. Well, then who were, who were the guys having sex with? I always right. wonder that story, right. you know, you, like you want somebody who's really good in bed, but also a virgin. Right. And, not, you know, that's not really how that works. Well, there's also that thing where it's really cool if a, if a kid or a, a young man gets an, an older mm-hmm. woman. But if a female sleeps with an yeah. older man, suddenly mm-hmm. it's not OK. I mean, look at look at when when a teacher gets caught having sex with a student. Yeah. Like the news stories are wholly different when it's a female teacher versus a that's male That's exactly teacher. what I was thinking about when yeah, I said what and, I said. And, yeah. and, that, and why is that different? Right? Because they're both predators. They're both predators, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Right? But it's that cultural stigma. Mm-hmm. But one of them is seen as abhorrent and, you know, needs to go to jail forever. And right. then the other one's like, oh, I wish I was that kid. You know? Exactly. It's, it's really in poor taste. Right. And I think that leads us into the discussion about how culture impacts our children when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. And, and when we say the word culture, we're not just talking about the ethnic heritage that they bring in with them or the family culture that Mm -hmm. comes from generation after generation. We're talking about the school culture, the culture that they have with their peers, the culture of social media, the culture of television, the The culture of news, the country's culture, their their community's culture, their religious culture, the Mm -hmm. church culture. I mean, I could sit here and name 800 different things that could Mm -hmm. um, count as culture. And we're using it in the broadest possible terms. Correct. Um, but the way that you, your family or the people closest to you understand, perceive, or their comfort level with sex absolutely impacts you, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And then I think about the way that social media specifically sort of gives this sense of early sexual involvement or early sexual activity. You know, there's there's kids who go on different social media sites And you see them dancing in a way that is sexually provocative. And the adults are like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then the kids are seeing it and emulating it and going, I want to be like that person. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I do think we have to acknowledge the degree to which what we allow our children to be exposed to impacts their view and their comfort level with sexuality and sex. Sure. You know, and, and one of the fascinating things is during my education, part of what we did is we would watch w- different sex ed films from around the world and look at the different ways cultures were shown sex education. And I remember seeing the, the vast contrast, you know, so they showed us one from... I honestly don't remember if it was Sweden or the Netherlands, but either way, it's basically the same. In that, not in the cult, not in just the approach they have to sex. My my co-host is giving <laughs> me weird looks. I know they're two different countries with two different cultures, but um, you know they 
it was not about like, this is your body and this is how it works. It was much more a story. You know, this, these two teens like each other. Um, it kind of goes through explaining what's happening and it, it talks about like pleasure versus goal oriented sex, which is hugely important, but also it, it in, involves pieces of consent and understanding and, you know, going as far as they want, but not being forced to go further. It's re- it was just like a super, super healthy thing. It was interesting to see the difference. Well, and while you're talking, I'm thinking about the fact that this conversation could be perceived as this is what you do for heterosexual couples mm-hmm. or your children who are identifying as straight. And I think it's an important piece that this conversation needs to be had openly with the understanding that your child might not fit heteronorms. Like, Mm -hmm. they might have a sexuality that's different than yours or a gender that's different from the one that you have identified them as. And I think it's important to be open to hearing them out Mm -hmm. so that you can answer their questions honestly. And just to be very clear, if you're uncomfortable answering something or you don't know the answer because, you know what? We pretend we have the answers all the time, but as parents, we don't always have the answers. It's okay to find a resource mm-hmm. or a person. Absolutely. Um, I know the Bradbury Sullivan Center up um, in up above us in, uh, I think it's Lehigh Valley, is an excellent resource for um, families who sort of don't know exactly what to say mm-hmm. or how to help their kids. They have a great teen resource center up there. Absolutely. And, you know, there's tons of resources out there and it's okay to use them. And I will tell you right now, your kids are going to respect you more if you say, I'm not sure, but I'll find out for you right. versus uh, this is what it is and just kind of make something right. up. And going to your point, I think that's a very valid point about regardless of what their sexuality is and they might not really know deep down what it is right. yet, but that's okay. You know, it's it's important to learn how everybody's body works so that we can then understand things going forward. Right. Regardless of how you identify. Right. And and so let's move into birth control. Okay. Um, and the discussion about, well, do I give my kid birth control? Because mm-hmm. if I give them birth control, they're going to do what, Ryan? They're going to have sex. No, Ryan. Unprotected sex. They're not. (laughs) I don't know. What what are they going to do? I mean, that's what people think. You're Uh, right. Yeah. No, you were right. Um, Oh, my gosh. But the reality of it is, is if you teach your kids about birth control, then you reduce the risk of them, I don't know, getting pregnant or getting an STI. Mm -hmm. And that's like a win-win. Well, and, you know, it's important to teach them if they're all, even if they're on birth control, doesn't mean they well, don't need to practice. Yeah, we're sex. talking about the medical birth control for females. Yes, um, you know, and that's really, really important because a lot of times kids will be like, "Oh, well, I'm on birth control, so I can't get pregnant." Right. That's the only thing I have to worry about. Right. When in reality, we have to also teach them about STIs because that's very, very important. And and two for for teenage girls who want to be on medical birth control i think it is important to point out that the pill isn't always the best option mm-hmm. for teenagers um teenagers tend to be very forgetful mm-hmm. um and so you know a lot of um doctors do recommend that for females who are teenagers who wish to be on medical birth control that they consider things like the shot mm-hmm. or implants right 
Uh, and and these are all, you know, and talk to your doctor. Everything has a slight risk. Yeah, everything does. But, you know, talk to your doctor about it. Talk to your kid about it, you know, and, and you know, together find the one that's right for them. But it's really important that, you know, we have those conversations and yeah. don't just make the assumption that, you know, this is what you're doing because that's what I did or right. vice versa. Well, and what about condoms and dental dams? Okay, so that's a great question. And, you know, it's it's interesting. So in stores, one of the most highly stolen things is condoms. Yeah. And it's not because they're super valuable or they're reselling them or anything. It's because <laughs> – The black condom black the, the, market. Yeah, the condom black market. <laughs> it's because most people, especially teenagers, are really embarrassed to buy them. You yeah. don't want to, like, go up front and walk with them. Or if I only have a debit card and I don't have cash, I don't want it showing up on my, on my debit card or anything like that. And in reality, the – the thing is we have to teach them is like if your kids want condoms, I think it's really important that they have access to them in right. some way. Giving your kids condoms is not saying here, go have sex. Yeah. It's saying if you have sex, make sure you're safe about it. Right. And I think it's also important to, you know, teach them just with anything else. You have to be careful about how you maintain a condom too. Right. You know, don't put it in your wallet. Don't leave it in the car. You don't know, poke it with a pin. Don't poke it with a pin, even though, you know, whatever. But, you know, those don't are Don't really, blow it up and then use it. Yes. Don't reuse it, for the love of God. Um, <laughs> so, you know, oh, these are and, – and again, we're talking about just, just condoms here. But, I mean, dental dams, a lot of times, they're even harder to find. Yeah. And, you know, are actually a lot more – well, they're more useful for things other than penis and vagina sex, PIV, right? So that's important. And, you know, if you, if one of the things somebody can do if they don't have one, but they have condoms, is you can cut a condom in half, you know, and use it yeah. as a dental dam, things like that. Um, and just to be clear, because I, I don't want to leave any room for people to be like, well, that's a dental dam. Oh, and that's fair, there's yes. no shame in not knowing. And it's quite all right. A dental yes. dam is used for covering a piece of another person's body while you manipulate their body in some way, orally, fingerly, <laughs> digitally. Thank you. Yes. Like fingerly. I was like, wait, <laughs> that's not the right word. Um, you know, so like if you want to perform oral sex on somebody, it can be laid over their vulva so that you can provide sex, um, oral sex, or um, over the anus. I was just, thank you for including the of bottom. Of course. Always include the anus. Um, I can't even look at you. I made a good face with that. So, um, you know, those are really, really important. And, and, you know, something that also they don't always like – tell you with a dental dam if when you get one you want to rinse it off in warm water first because that will get rid of that like that dusty Powder. film cover Ugh. that's on there to pr help preserve it you know while it's in its casing it's good but you know just get that off there because otherwise it just tastes awful okay thanks for that advice you're Ryan. welcome tips the more you know da, da, da. sorry that's that was okay uh. um <laughs> so and i think too you know the thought that keeps going through my mind about why your kids should always have a condom on them is because I mean, if any of us think back to the way our brains worked when we were teenagers and horny teenagers at that, 
it's so easy to find yourself in a situation where you weren't going with the expectation of doing anything, but suddenly opportunity meets circumstance and you're finding yourself in a position where you're going to have sex. Um, And because you didn't like bring it up to your parents or your friends first, and because your parents didn't have the talk with you about having a condom, neither you nor the other person could have a condom on them. And you might not know that you have a right to say, no, thank you. If someone doesn't have a condom. And I think that's where we sort of go into the final part of our conversation about how to teach our kids about consent. Right. And I think that's hugely important and something that we cannot like, even though we had a whole episode about consent already, I think we have to reiterate it here again because it's so important. You know, when we're talking to our kids, we're explaining that, you know, their body, their say, period. And, and that no matter what, it is important that they understand that consent is something only they can give, and it's something they can withdraw at any time. Right. Really important. Right. Right. And that sort of brings us into why it's important for parents to talk to their kids about what consent is is because there's a lot of mixed messages that kids get. We already talked about culture. We already talked about, you know, the parental sort of view of sex or how boys are spoken to differently than girls historically. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, we have to have the conversation of what do we do when our head doesn't match what our body is saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do we get ourselves out of, a situation that we don't want to be in. And that's where having this conversation is important because then you can actually run scenes with your kid about, okay, well, if this happens, how are you going to remove yourself from that situation? Okay, if this happens, how are you going to get out? Um, It's sort of like a weird conversation to be having, Mm -hmm. but it's really, really important. Sure. You know, and... One of the things that, you know, doesn't get talked about during, I think, a lot of sex talks with kids is the peer pressure that exists. And I think that is really important to bring up here because, you know, when we think of that, we think of it's, you know, a boy pressuring a girl to have sex, saying things like, you know, if you if you loved me, you would do it. Or or, just touch it or just kiss it a little. Right, right. And, 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 you know, this manipulation. And while that exists, it's not purely the guys that are doing it and also (coughs) excuse me it can be you know their friends you know are pressuring them right you know what do you mean you haven't had sex yet or you know they're gonna dump you if you don't have sex with them soon and that's not again i'm not talking about specifically men or specifically women. it happens to both both sides i mean there's a lot of you know messages about that and i think it's yes i said messages not messages <laughs> that was weird but whatever uh, you know um but it's it's so important to bring up those things so like mm. the more you bring up the more your child is going to be prepared to deal with it when it really happens yeah so that's a heavy topic and and heavy. And it's a scary topic. Mm -hmm. And this is all stuff that we could spend another four hours discussing. Sure. Um, But our point today was to just sort of give you a primer in how to talk to your kids about sex. Mm -hmm. There are lots of great books 
for all ages. I always recommend that parents read the book first before they just hand it to their child to make sure that it does follow sort of the ideals of what they want to teach their child. Um, and also to understand that some kids are going to be okay with drawn pictures. Um, other kids are going to want to actually see pictures, and it's okay to hand your child a book that talks about sex with pictures of the actual genitalia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that these conversations and these, and these books can be read together, mm-hmm. and having a willingness and an openness to um, to have the conversations that come up. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to mention, just as an aside, is a lot of little kids will sort of explore their body and girls specifically will start to realize that there are holes down there and will start to um, place things, either their fingers or objects in these holes. Um, and I'm laughing because I'm like, okay, maybe this is where the term pocketbook came from, which just further sort of like exacerbates that whole like mm-hmm. put things in there, um, which is weird. Um, but it's okay to like give your kids a mirror and send them into their room and say, listen, check it out. Look down there. See what see what those holes are. Look at it all. And then let me know if you have any questions. Um, because it is a mystery. This is a part of your body that a lot of people are very afraid of. A lot of females are very afraid of. Even as adults. Yeah. Yes. They, there's a very big discomfort because of a long history of shame with, with that part of the body, with the vulva or the vagina, whichever term you so choose. Um, so I think that, you know, just as a bookend to that conversation is I do think it's important important that for me, for, for females specifically, that we um, encourage them exploring to understand how their body works. Mm-hmm. So anyway. And, you know, I, as I think worth pointing out here, you know, if you're not sure about something, have questions, yeah. you know, comments, reach out to somebody, yeah. you're more than welcome to reach out to us. Absolutely. On our social media and things like that, or you can send us messages Amanda's going to give you all of our uh, I am. deets in a minute, yeah. um, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> Do they, an, though? I have no idea. I don't I'm think the kids say man. that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's really important. You know, reach you know, like if you have questions or comments or concerns, reach out to us. Let us know. We'll, yeah. we'll be more than happy to address them. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, on air as, per se. We can respond to you in a DM or something if you have a question and you, you're embarrassed to ask it. Yeah. Don't be. Trust yeah. me. So thanks for hanging with us through this whole series. Um, Next week, we hope to have a special guest on to talk about um, trauma, trauma therapy, um, and the impact of the experience of trauma on people. Um, So we're excited about that. I did want to shout out um, the Goon Squad over at Stevens. I know that they are... um, great listeners who listen every week and let me know their thoughts. So I see you guys. Um, so yeah, thanks to thanks to our loyal followers. We appreciate it. It's what keeps us going, knowing that you're out there listening. Not just the Stevens kids, but you know, you know, all of the listeners. Hi, mom. Hi, Sandy. Okay. <laughs> That's Ryan's mom is Sandy. Okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to tell them? 
No, I think that's it. Okay. Oh, wait, you know what I should tell them? Oh, God. I should tell them how to find us on social media. Oh, that's a good, because we Isn't did that mention great? that. Yeah. yeah. So you can find us on Facebook. Face. I do that every time. It's not Facebook. It's Facebook. She's still working on English, guys. So. I am. At Worth the Work with Amanda and Ryan. You can find us on Instagram at worththework underscore. Or you can find us on the web at worththework.net. Um, and that's where you'll find our practice website, and you can find out more information about us. Um, Ryan has an announcement. Oh, I do? Yeah. Oh, um, well, I, I just want to share that uh, after a lot of hard work, I have finally uh, officially become a certified sex therapist. Woot, woot! So while Go back it's... and listen to our first pod, or our first uh episode in this session of let's talk about sex to understand what that means yeah yeah so i'm excited that that has finally uh come through for me so yeah yeah that's exciting good job ryan thank you certification 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 is hard to get i think people think that we just fill out like a little bit of paperwork and Mm. we get it but it doesn't happen that way anyway so thanks guys thanks for hanging out with us just remember that you are indeed worth the work (laughs) See you later. Bye.